another episode of Strange Deeds and Brewery Curiosity. With Uncle Laws, let's see where we go on this one. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret society, to secret oath, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment and pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to commit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of election, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent, not praised. Dissenters are silent, not praised. Its dissenters are silent. Its dissenters are silent. In truth, everybody runs around every day talking about truth, and they're trying to get to the truth, and they want to hear the truth. That's one of the biggest lies I've ever heard in my life. So keep on marching on. Most people have no desire whatsoever to even get within a hundred miles of the truth, and in some instances, that's too damn close. So my conclusion is... Most of you are going to get exactly what you're going to deserve over the next who knows how many years. Some of us are going to rise to the occasion. We are going to shine. We are going to shine. We're going to sparkle like diamonds. Sunrise on the most beautiful day that you can remember that you've ever seen in your life. And we're going to do it simply and only because it's the 
Well, this one's about the mud flood. <clears throat> it's going to be a bit of a lengthy one, actually. The mud flood, an event which, minutes. like the buildings it smothered, that has been buried in history, left behind elegant but grand bastions of inconceivable construction, litter the world, created by a people who many believe belong to the dead empire of Tartaria. This undocumented silt tide being a catastrophic affair was yet the most recent in man's many extinction tales. In this video, I am to discuss the mud flood with the goal to entice people to read the works within the Bible so that they may follow more closely the Word of God. If you enjoyed the contents of this video, please remember to like, and if you would want to see more, subscribe. The Industrial Revolution transformed the world. Because of it, we are where we are today. To quote National Geographic, most historians place the origin of the Industrial Revolution in Great Britain in the middle decades of the 18th century. In the British Isles and most of Europe at this time, most social activity took place in small and medium-sized villages. People rarely traveled far beyond their home village. During the 18th century, the population of Britain and other European countries began rising significantly. Within a blink of an eye, the world was taken out of the Middle Ages and thrust into the future. Either this was the cause of mass enlightenment, or the people of the time had inherited the ruins of a previous civilization. 
It is here where the theory of the mud flood is found. It was a mass extinction event which led to the depopulation of the whole earth. The remnants of what was left are located in every country. Whether by today's world, they are rich or poor, they once shared the same architectural choices, hinting at a united peoples or former empire. It was the death of the rulers of old, the ending of royal bloodlines, which manipulated the world into war. This removal extended from blood to brick, as it is a shared belief within the mud flood community that the mass bombings seen within the First and Second World Wars were to erase evidence of a history that could not be explained. However, many structures survived, and it is by looking into their reported creation and purpose where the told narrative begins to fall apart. John Levi, a person and channel that has been active in this field for many years, recently released a video titled Old America Ruins. He showcases many structures with inconsistent narratives, and towards the end of this video, he reveals his upcoming book. I have chosen to use these buildings as beginning examples, as the sources are diverse and not from Wikipedia. As John highlights, the people documenting the supposed historical records are somewhat perplexed at how these structures are seemingly thrown up in a year or two. First, the Baldwin Hotel. Located in San Francisco, the narrative tells us that it is a 19th century luxury hotel and theater built by a millionaire. An extremely wealthy individual overseeing the design and construction of these intricate giants is all too common. These individuals were not responsible for just one, but multiple, all across the United States and Europe. This alone should raise suspicions. As within their lifetimes, they were able to quickly erect dozens of palace-like buildings during a period where wars were being fought, extreme poverty was commonplace, and horse and cart were the only means of transportation. Carts, whose wooden spoke wheels had to travel across unpaved roads, up and down the country, and who would buckle under weight. The Baldwin Hotel was 200,000 square feet, and was built within one year. 23 years later, it would succumb to a fire, resulting in its demolishment. Where today, another building is in its place. When researching the history of these buildings, it too is commonplace that a fire resulted in their destruction, leading them to be abandoned or completely demolished. For our next example, we take a look at the Palace Hotel, located again in San Francisco. The hotel was the result of a banker and entrepreneur who invested $5 million into its construction it covered 600,000 square feet of floor space, and impressively it was constructed within one year. However, unfortunately, much like the Baldwin Hotel, it was destroyed. Its demise was brought about by a catastrophic fire. For our last example, we yet again remain in San Francisco. The Hibernia Bank Building began construction in 1892 and was completed within a single year. Its assembly is the result of an architect who is credited with introducing the Beaux-Arts architectural style to San Francisco. Fortunately, unlike the other examples, this building survived its fire and reopened in just five short weeks after the event. I could continue to give examples, as they, like their weak narratives, are endless. However, that is not the point of this video. The reason is to get you to question your surroundings and the history you have been told. 
it is exactly whose history we have learned which is the driving force of this video, as it is his story that does not match up. San Francisco was singled out due to not only the buildings, but the city as a whole, whose origins are questionable. Another channel, who goes by the name of Geo Man C, released a video titled Star Forts, Intro to Reset and Hidden Black History. Within part one, he showcases a panorama picture that was taken in 1878. As he points out, he, nor I, when watching this, knew of technology and quality that was available during this time. This photograph was taken from an elevated position, where the boats upon the water, far off into the distance, can even be seen. The picture showcases a complete city, taken 29 years after a large population was said to appear, with only shovels and pickaxes at hand. The city, its streets, its roads, windows, lampposts and buildings, that even for the time appear to predate this already old period, was constructed before the electric drill of 1889 was invented. So, if the city is established, and its people are housed and homed, then why are the streets empty? Where are the workers who defied what we thought was possible for their period? Perhaps they were off building another city in record time. Photographs such as this give an example, and countless others, which showcase empty streets, or a small population, inhabiting buildings, and cities that they seemingly are unable to fill, are all too common to come across when researching the 1800s. Therefore, it is within the 1800s that the mud flood is accepted to have taken place. In a video titled, A Bird's Eye View of History, John Levi discusses maps of cities made within the 1800s. This video and showcased locations are what may help explain the existence of the 1878 panorama shot of San Francisco. A drawn map, illustrating Seattle in 1889, was created by a mining and real estate brokers and auctioneers named Llewellyn, Dodge, and Company. As is the case with San Francisco, Seattle is looking impressively complete for its period. The illustration even highlights key buildings along its edge, as if to entice people, in a way of luring potential buyers, to visualize what it is they will inherit when purchasing this package city deal. John gives further examples of many similarly styled advertisements for other cities within this video. And while reviewing the illustrations, he rightfully marvels at the precision of each city block and street. For a people without power tools and without the laser measurement techniques which we have today, they sure did a premium job. They did so well, in fact, that we continue to benefit from their layouts within our modern times and see no reason to correct their symmetry. However, when we do walk these old city streets, there are details that seem to be an odd choice. Within Geomancy's video titled, America is the Old World, Reset Observations and Explorations Part 2, he showcases on-the-ground footage from many locations within the US, all across America, Britain, Europe, and the world. You will find windows going below street level. This is the main source for people's belief in the mud flood. An event caused the earth and water, creating mud, to be spilled out across the continent. The people who came to inherit after this cataclysm then reformed from the level that they were now stuck with. Windows were dug out to allow for light, but many others were bricked up, leaving the obvious evidence of an arch. Bridges whose details seemingly sink and continue into a hill 
does not make sense. Form follows function. And if it was never intended to be seen, then why did the people of old put so much effort into it? When conducting this research, you will come across photographs of city streets whose buildings continue to go down into the earth. These buried segments feature doorways and windows as if they once went out into a now non-existent street level. To return to a bird's eye view of these city streets, again we are reminded that form follows function. So exactly what was the intended function? The answer is in the word electricity. In Geo Mancy's video titled Philadelphia, a city layout based on the Kabbalistic tree of life, he points out how the word electricity cannot be complete without the word city. When viewing any city from a bird's eye perspective, they very much resemble a circuit board. A printed circuit board, commonly referred to as a PCB, is used in almost all electronic products. Electricity electrify a city. They serve to transfer, transform, and to maintain electrical current. Or city of electronics. We, as humans, Electrophone. are beings who survive via electrical currents. Electricity is required for the nervous system to send signals throughout the body and to the brain, making it possible for us to move, think, and feel. As is pointed out by the previously mentioned Geomancy's video, Philadelphia is laid out in accordance to the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. To quote a website that supports this satanic <laughs> inward study, this not only serves to showcase how this knowledge is linked to the devil, but to confirm that these methods are ungodly and goes against the Most High, Yahweh. Quote, the Tree of Life is one of the most familiar of the sacred geometry symbols. The structure of the Tree of Life is connected to the sacred teachings of the Jewish Kabbalah, but can be seen 3,000 years earlier in Egypt. It is possible to see the Tree of Life structure in many places around the conscious universe. The structure is represented in nature, and relates to the flower of life and seed of life. Satan, also known as Lucifer, which means the bright and shining one, since he was the most magnificent and brilliant angel ever created, was aware of all the secrets of the creation and the flower of life. The first thing he did was to take the construction of the egg of life and spin it into a different point of view or perception. Instead of the star tetrahedron point of view, which can be derived from this shape, this procedure changed our perception of reality. Satan repeated the process of creation out of the great void, but instead of copying the actions of the Creator, he changed the process of creation out of the great void. Instead of repeating God's creation and creating the seed of life structure and creating one sphere at a time in a vortex motion, he divided spirit into two, creating two centers. In this way, there are two centers instead of one. As mentioned, the Tree of Life predates the Jewish Kabbalah, dating back to Egypt, and even being found all over ancient earth. Satan inherited the earth when he fell. He is the prince of the air, the one who dons the obsidian crown. In the book of Matthew, Satan tempts our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Whilst Jesus is fasting for forty days and nights, the devil appears before him. Satan continues to twist scripture in an attempt to overthrow the one who was sent to crush the head of the serpent. Matthew chapter 4 reads, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, 
get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Satan attempts to purchase the Son of God with material possessions. He has the kingdoms, their riches, their power, their all, to give. As it is Satan who rules over this physical plane. So then, when you discover that the cities in which we inhabit today, whose buildings cannot be explained, covered by a fragile narrative of their construction, then who exactly were the previous people serving? Could it be that due to their practices, they were removed, with only their geometry remaining? This geometry serves to harness the natural energy of its citizens in some way, with key locations such as city halls, schools, financial districts, etc., representing each sephira of the tree of life. Therefore, in our time, could the construction of Saudi Arabia's line be yet another attempt at rearranging the transferal of human energy for the betterment of the world and the one who controls it? To return to a previously mentioned video within Starfort's Intro to Reset and Hidden Black History, Part 1, Geomancy discusses the subject of Starforts. The narrative tells us that this universally shared shape and structure began in the 15th century. Originating within Italy, they serve as a bastion, holding gunpowder, cannons and troops. As showcased, Geomancy displays the incomplete yet seemingly innumerous locations of each starfort. If we are to believe that the 300 found locations of Geomancy's research were built within the 1500s, then that in itself should raise suspicion, much like the capital buildings of countries. These star forts showcase a style that has been replicated worldwide, something that is only possible if the people of the time did, counter to the narrative, have worldwide available travel, or an empire uniting these peoples. The narrative tells us that they are located at points such as the coast, as to deter invasions. But the positions of the forts do not reflect that. If they were to be invaded, then these countries, and their positioned cannons, can be easily circumvented by going to the left or right. As highlighted by Geomancy, it would appear that these star forts, even the ones located within hills, valleys and mountains, have a consistent purpose, and that is to manipulate water. What is glazed over as to be a simple moat by the narrative are actually examples of the art of geomancy. To quote Feng Shui Society, Traditionally, geomancy is under the control of earth elementals. Like the I Ching, the Tarot, or any other divination system, it is simply a means of communication with the unconscious mind. This is how the 17th century geomancer Robert Flood understood geomancy to work. He described the making of marks upon which the geomantic chart is based in words which are today used to explain the movements made by the pendulum or divining rods used in dowsing. Quote, dowsing in occultism, use of a forked piece of hazel, rowan or willow wood, or of a Y-shaped metal rod, or of a pendulum suspended by a nylon or silk thread, in an attempt to detect such hidden substances as water, minerals, treasure, archaeological remains, and even dead bodies. Within those given quotes, the terms divination and occultism were used. In the Bible, during the times of Moses, 
The book of Deuteronomy contains the laws given to the Israelites before they are to enter the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 18 reads, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. It would appear that the people responsible for these worldwide structures acquired and practiced methods that were an abomination before the Lord God. A significant relic of these people still remain, spouted as being constructed within the 1800s, and that figure is the Statue of Liberty. The narrative informs us that its construction was completed in 1886, designed by a French sculptor. The statue is a figure of a pagan god, the Roman goddess of liberty, Libertas. Holding a torch in her right hand and a book in her left, it is said that she represents the Declaration of Independence and the national abolishment of slavery. However, the statue has more in common in its features with a male than a female. If you are aware of satanic beliefs, then you will know that the unification of man and woman in one body, returning to the form before Eve was taken from Adam, is Satanists' eventual goal for all humanity. This statue not only bears the light like Lucifer once did, 